0: Welcome to Adjunctitis, From Surviving to Thriving, Teaching Hacks to Reduce Stress, Save Time, and Avoid Common Pitfalls. I'm April Brown, an Assistant Professor of Journalism at Cal State LA. I created this podcast because I found there is often not a lot of help for adjuncts or new professors who haven't taught before. I wanted to share some of what I've learned, both through my years in the classroom and taking time to learn more about the craft of teaching. I certainly don't hold myself up as the font of all knowledge, and most universities probably do have plenty of resources for professors, mine does, but you may not have found those yet. If you missed Episodes 1 and 2, I went over a few things that have and have not changed in the college experience over the years, and also some important legal-related issues you'll want to get up to speed on. Welcome to Episode 3, The Relationship Edition. If you've been listening to those previous episodes, you'll know that I like to start with a story. There is a reason for that, a pedagogical reason, in fact, and I'll tell you more about that when we talk about your lessons. If the word pedagogical is new, you will probably hear it a lot. It means related to teaching, but it sounds so much more impressive, which is why many academics use it. On to the story. My first semester teaching, I became known as the very strict grader with standards that were way too high and I was adamant my grading standards were not going to become any easier. So one day I was talking with a colleague who had been teaching for a few years, and she said, give it a year or two, your standards will come down. I refused to believe it, but she was right. But perhaps not for the reasons you think. In journalism, nuance and deadlines are very important, and I've been doing this work for decades. I expected my students to follow my directions and be very mindful of all of the details that I had taught them in the lesson when they turned in their assignments. But it took me a while to remember that while this was my routine, I had really forgotten what it was like to learn something new from the very beginning. For example, I played sports as a kid, was pretty good at tennis and softball, but I was so young when I learned both, I couldn't recall how long it took to repeatedly hit the ball over the net or successfully pick up a ground ball and throw it to first, to become good. And yeah, I probably should have thought of that when I first started teaching, but I didn't really have any time to think about how to teach. I just started in the first place that made sense to me and went from there. At that point, once I realized that I needed to think about teaching differently, starting from the beginning, I wanted to build relationships with my students so that I could show them that I understood. Preparing students to get out of their comfort zone and learn how to fail and try again is how we get good at something. We don't like to talk about the failing, but it's an important part of learning. This is much more realistic for professors now that we're no longer considered rarefied, removed, and so formal. But many students are still intimidated by us, and getting to know them on a personal level can break down barriers. But it is not easy, and of course there are many ways to go about it. It often starts with just introducing ourselves to each other, everyone in the class. Not to mention having them try new things. And of course, this takes time. And depending on your area of expertise, you may want to approach it a certain way. At the beginning of the semester, I've tried a couple of getting-to-know-you things. Two truths and a lie, which they've all played before. Also, a little bit of sharing. Tell us why you're in the class, what you hope to learn, and maybe something unusual about yourself but I actually start one of my lower level classes with something that shows me being a bit vulnerable. Very early in the first class, I showed them a video of me learning something new and something very hard and something that didn't happen all that long ago. I had taken up flying trapeze. I was at least twice as old as most of my circus classmates when I tried it for the first time, but slowly, After four years of almost weekly practice, I could do some pretty cool things, and I showed them something that I was a bit embarrassed about, both being bad at something and not being terribly fit. The point was to show them a bit of vulnerability, as I said, but that I understand how hard it is to learn new things and to try something again and again, and something that I was afraid of, didn't like heights, the flipping around, I was all for that. But it shows them, and reminds me, that it takes a long time to get good at something, and dedication and repetition are key. In journalism, we tell other people's stories, and to do that well, we have to gain their trust pretty quickly. We can't just start shoving knowledge into our students' brains, of course, but building rapport early and letting them get to know you a little bit as a person, and particularly as a lifelong learner, I think, has helped a lot. Forgive me for another injection of lessons from journalism, but we hate to get things wrong. Fact-checking is crucial for fostering trust in media, and I know there's a big debate about that, and I won't go into it here. The lack of trust in the media is a big problem. Another podcast, maybe. But I bring it up here because I want my students to let me know if I mess up. I tell them, though we try to get it right, we are not perfect and mistakes get made. And we have to acknowledge them make corrections, and move on. So I actually give my students bonus points if they find an error I've made in a lesson or somewhere else. I don't want them to be spreading misinformation or learning the wrong thing. One other way I try to build trust and relationships with students is with office hours, and professors have to have them. In my experience, students seldom come unless they are incentivized. I'm sure there's all sorts of reasons. Why should I? I'm busy. Professors are unapproachable. No one tells them that it's strategically smart to get to know us, so in my lower division courses, I offer some participation points to show them that it's not painful and that I'm here to answer questions if they need it. I currently offer my office hours online because they're often on days that I don't teach on campus, so I can do it from home. But if I know I'll be on campus, I'll offer them the option of virtual or in person. I have an online calendar where they can make office hours appointments to reserve their spot, but if nobody does, it's first come, first served. We have access to Microsoft programs, and I've set up a way for them to register through the Bookings app. There are some things I'd change about it, but you could also use Google Forms, Calendly, and I'm sure there's lots of other tools out there as well. Since many of my students have a lot going on, if they can't make my posted office hours, I will try to work something out. If you're an adjunct and have a real job on the side, it might be harder. Your school probably has a policy about how many office hours you should hold each week, and that is something you'll want to find out. For students coming in for the first time, they sometimes have a frightened blank look on their face, and I give them a warm welcome and tell them I'm glad they showed up. And I explain why it's a good idea to get to know their professors. I also, if we're in person, happen to keep water and snacks in my office. I find that students may miss meals or just be hungry or tired or thirsty, so if we're meeting in person, I'll offer those things. Basically, I tell them that no stress, just want to get to know them a little better and find out how I can help them do more in my class. If a student does come to you with an issue you can't solve quickly or something more serious, I would recommend documenting what happened in your meeting right away. Contemporaneous notes are great for courtrooms, and it can't hurt when it comes to dealing with difficult issues. You may also just want to keep an office hours notes list, date, time with whom you met, and some detail that you think might be helpful if they might be following up with you. And this is really important if you have a feeling in your gut that something might end up being a bigger deal. Listen to it. Go with your gut, but take notes. At this point, I'd like to say that although a lot of what I'm going to address in this podcast is designed to help you prevent problems, I'd really hate to give you the impression that teaching is all about dealing with problems. It's intrinsically rewarding. I wouldn't be doing it if I didn't enjoy it and find it worthwhile. I love seeing the light bulb go off when a student gets a concept, and it is an amazing feeling when your former students contact you after they've graduated and they tell you something you taught them has been really important in what they're doing. That's all for this episode of Adjunctitis. You can find a link to some of the things I've mentioned, some of those calendar apps and my trapeze journey on video. Go to our website under episode three, adjunctitis.com, A-D-J-U-N-C-T-I-T-I-S.com. If you have questions or issues you'd like me to address, please send them to questions at adjunctitis.com. Join our conversation on social. Right now, we're at Adjunctitis on threads, TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube. We are also on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash adjunctitis. You can also use the hashtag adjunctitis so we can form a community where questions can be asked and answered. If you enjoyed our podcast, please consider leaving a review and a rating. Those can help other people find us too. Please spread the word and help those who ask you for help it's good teaching karma. Adjunctitis is a Look At It This Way production. I'm April Brown. Thank you for listening. Class dismissed.